Well, should we get into change? Yes, let's talk. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. Here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. So let's jump right in. Sonal, what are your top two pieces of advice for leading through change? So first of all, thank you, Alyssa, for having me today. Um, you know, when you when you asked that question, the first thing that came to my mind was the quote that I live on, and that's be the change you wish to see in the world. It's all over my house. And so my top two, I really thought about this and I thought, first of all, embrace change. You know, change means growth to me. If you're not changing, you're not growing. And so the first thing is embrace that change. And I'd love to, you know, kind of unpack that a little bit as we move along. But, you know, when you embrace change, there's so many amazing benefits to embracing change and that's stepping out of our comfort zone. And then the second, I would say, not just embrace the change, but unpack the change and do it in bite sizes. You know, it used to be once upon a time that I say, just embrace that change head on, kind of like I have a visual of, you know, wearing some football gear, and just ooh, going right into it like a defense. But no, I, I think of it as in, you know, tiny little packs of it, break them, breaking them apart. So it's not so overwhelming, but you're also growing and learning as you're unpacking each and every layer. And as you unpack each and every layer, you don't know what comes out of that layer that allows you to go again in a different direction. And that's the beautiful part about it, because that's where growth actually happens. Not having it all planned out and set up, but taking it one baby step at a time. I love that. For those of you who don't know her, Sonal Chef Zawari is an author, EI consultant, trainer and coach, people collector and connector, and the founder of True You. She spends her days empowering individuals to step into action and develop the mindset they need to stretch and create the life they want. So let's get back to your advice and dig in a little bit. Talk to me about embracing change, especially right this balance between embracing change and also unpacking it. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's so easy in life. I, I feel that everything we do in life can be so reactive in nature. Kind of thinking about where we are with COVID, for example. Now moving forward, we can be more proactive because we have information. Information is key. When, when I think about embracing change, I think about stepping out of your comfort zone. Have you stretched today? And the reason I talk about that is because it's so easy for our brain to be in a place where we can do the same thing over and over again because it's comfortable. Autopilot mode. Have you ever been in that mode? In that autopilot mode, even when you react to something that's joyful, whether it's you're reacting to something that's traumatic, you know, you immediately kick into that autopilot mode and you show up. I love that. However, however, when we, if we can take that and embrace it in a way where we're stepping out of that comfort zone a bit, what's making us uncomfortable? What's making our stomach feel funny? What's making our hands shake a little bit? And we know that there's something better on the other side, but we're afraid to approach it. So when we embrace that change, we get the opportunity. We provide ourselves the opportunity to actually be able to have the experiences that come with that emotionally, intellectually, right? There's so many layers to that. And so to me, when you step out of your comfort zone, be open to feedback. So when you're open and you're embracing, stepping out over that line, now you're receiving information. You know, you're willing to learn and listen from others and the environment and people around you. I love this comment on feedback because one of the things that I grapple with as a people manager is figuring out how to provide the right feedback 
at the right time. You know, we all operate somewhere on a spectrum between readiness for change and resistance to change. And my aim in providing feedback is to do it in a way that not only gets my constructive message across, but does so in a way that helps move the needle for my team in terms of readiness for change. So how do you think about that? How have you seen that done really effectively? You know, when you said that, that made me think of a phrase that is so commonly used, authenticity and vulnerability. First thing I do when I mentor or work with humans is I share with them deeply who I am. And what that means to me as a leader is when you share with them that you too trip and fall and make mistakes, you too have questions and doubts about things, it allows them to share those and receive that feedback with the lens of help as opposed to criticism and judgment. I'm gonna give you feedback and you can say back to me, that's awesome, thank you, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know how to do that. What beautiful space you have created now in your office, if you can have your people share with you authentically, that's great, but I don't understand, can you teach me? When you design, and that's all through communication, when you design that kind of setup, now to me, you have a collaborative, productive, you know, um, innovative environment because now everyone's willing to share and admit when they don't get something. Then I can instigate and initiate and encourage growth and change. And then I can do that with comfort saying, just because you come to me saying you don't know how, I'm not gonna judge you for that or criticize for you that. Instead, I'm gonna provide you with resources. Okay, but even in a safe environment, some feedback is hard to hear and even harder to action, right? So. I think this is where your second piece of advice on unpacking change and taking it in small chunks comes into play. And I know you have this stretch model that you and I have talked about before. So help me understand how you think about breaking down change into digestible pieces. So my workbook, seven steps to learn how to stretch and step out of your comfort zone. So one of the first chapters is the letter S for stretch, which is self-awareness. What is, what matters to me? What do I care about? We have to ask those questions because sometimes, and not sometimes, maybe a lot of times, we will take on jobs and things just because we've got to pay our bills. What is your self-awareness around it? So I will tell you that the first step to the unpacking is figuring that out. Now, awareness is wonderful, Alyssa, but it has no value if you can't step into action. T and stretch stands for tone and attitude. How do you set up your right attitude towards that goal or that stretch? I set up an environment for myself. I have to learn how to do that what works for me that's setting the tone and attitude you have to choose because we all get to choose and then the third chapter is r which is reflect on what's needed the next bite size is make a list what do you need to be successful if i feel like i have to do this then i still can control the rest of my life what can i make that look like who can i surround myself around what kind of resources can i access it's finding a way to make it work reflect on what's needed then the next chapter is E, engage in new ideas. Now it's up to me to be open-minded, be curious, not furious. If I'm upset about being there, do I know everything that's going on there? Have I taken the time to ask the right questions or to talk to the right people? Engage in new ideas. Make yourself be a little uncomfortable and ask good questions. And then the next chapter is my favorite one and the hardest one, T for take action. Now step into the doing this. Now that you have all of your research and stuff you figure it out, what does that get to look like in action every single day? Maybe the doing this is a routine that you created and crafted. 
maybe after this first or second time of doing that routine, it doesn't work out. You embrace it. And now I get to design another way. And that to me is why I love failure. Because if you take the time to learn from your failures, see, all of this is part of growth. It can feel uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean you're not growing. C is the sixth chapter and it's change management. So now that you've taken action, collect your data. Data could be physical data. Data could be collecting what you, the feedback you're getting from humans around you. Whatever it is, is it working? Isn't it working? Do I need to shift? Do I need to take the agile approach? Do I need to be iterative about this? And then the last chapter is H and that's harness the power. This is my favorite, but harness the power. That means baby steps. Do it in bite sizes and every bite size you do, whether it worked or didn't work the way you planned, celebrate it. Because if you don't celebrate it, you're not going to get the momentum and the empowered feeling to go again. So this framework makes a lot of sense and I can absolutely see how I would apply this as an individual, but as a leader of a team, I'm working with a really diverse set of personalities. There are people who are change drivers, you know, people who are gung ho about change and people who I like to call change stabilizers, people whose natural inclination is actually to lean away from change. How do I tailor my messaging and my approach so that I'm not only sending the right message, but I'm sending it in a way that people are able to consume based on the various personalities they bring to the table? Yeah, I think that's a great question. What I do with organizations is I get their entire team in a space with me and we do a program around what is your purpose? And we each get a chance to answer questions individually and then as a team and then as a community in that space. And then we look at it so that we actually get to know each other. I, when you design your language and your delivery of a message, so I'll say, okay, leader, what kind of message do you want to send to your team? We'll come up with a message. Now I'm going to turn around and say, when I turn around to analytical Sonal, how will I deliver that message so that she can receive it? And then how will I turn around and turn, say, say, give that same message to the empathic person so that they can receive it? Because when I go in, I say to them, okay, so if the message is this client needed X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C, I'm going to turn around, Alyssa, to the analytical and say, 30% of the client's people need blah, 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 blah. I'm going to speak as though an analytical person needs to receive the data. Because now I'm tying into their strengths. I'm tapping into that. I'm going to take that same message and turn around to the person that's the empath in the group and say, I know you understand all this data, but what are we doing about their morale? I know I could tap into your strengths for that. How can we build and create around supporting the morale of that organization that we're trying to help solve that problem? And I'm going to know what people's strengths are they're bringing to the table. If we widen the aperture here for a moment, you know, we've been talking about individuals and individual relationships, and I know that's the foundation of how we express emotional intelligence. But as we look to have a bigger impact, not just on the teams we lead directly, but on the organization as a whole, how do we go about scaling some of these insights? I mean, one of the big changes that many of us have been through with our employers is reorganization. Companies merge or divest, teams, and sometimes even whole departments get created or broken down or recombined based on the needs of the larger org. And that kind of change can break down some of the networks and connections between people that you've been talking about. When that happens, how do we take our teams that are newly forming through reorg, which is unsettling and disruptive in and of itself, from this sort of weird reforming stage to performing? Like, is there a way to fast track this openness and engagement? Wow, you ask good questions. Now, I'm gonna be honest, I, like I, I'm telling you to ask from your people, I don't have that answer. You know, I'm not in that space. I have not been in that space. But what I 
just simply by you asking that question, what comes to me is if I'm going into an organization and teaching emotional intelligence, my number two goal would then be to, no matter where you go in this organization, no matter where you have to land your feet, is if you don't communicate. Communication, to me, is the number one solution to a lot. That doesn't mean everyone will love what they hear. But when you have real truth and real information coming from senior leadership down and they're participating in those decisions. I just, this is just through experience. When I'm going into organizations and doing trainings and I'm, and I'm invited by senior leadership, for example, and I get their buy-in, what does that mean? That means that so we would love for you to come in and, and then give me a list of X, Y, Z to do. Right. And I come in and I do that. Now there's a reorg. Right. Here's the problem. I'm doing that training, but those senior leaders are not in that room. What message is that sending to the people? To me, my brain goes to if you're saying we're having all this change happening, but you're not here with us, changing with us and showing us and managing us and directing us around it, then I don't feel like it's genuine. I've seen organizations that I've been invited to where that's happening. The senior leaders are in the meetings with them and they're like, okay, I heard you. Well, then what, what would you like to see? Okay, that's realistic or that's not realistic. Let's talk through that and let's problem solve. So to me, as simple as it sounds, it's figuring out a way, senior leaders, figuring out a way, managers and, and, and the people who are running the organizations, how can you design it so you can have authentic conversations. Now it leaves the people receiving the data and information, the choice on how to unpack it. Clearly communicating your intent and your vision for that organization. Those are the leaders that even when they leave, the organization still thrive. Now I heard you talk about having a vision and broadcasting that vision, but I also heard you talk about two-way communication, receiving communication, receiving feedback. And when I see resistance to communication, it's typically a fear of the feedback. How as a leader do we overcome some of that fear and how as a leader do we appropriately respect and honor the feedback we're receiving in the face of the fact that we can't possibly action every piece of feedback? You know, as individuals, how do we have productive conversations with our audiences about how we prefer to receive feedback? And that feedback can be performance-based feedback as in traditional performance management cycles. It could also be feedback from organizational stakeholders on the feasibility or viability of a proposal. I think when we talk about feedback, we tend to put on blinders and talk exclusively about performance feedback. But two-way communication is a hallmark of healthy business relationships beyond the boss subordinate environment. You're asking me a lot of great hard questions. I came from education. So I say that because it works a little bit differently in that space than it does in a corporate space. So again, what comes to me is I'm gonna to come to you from a human perspective. That again is to me very clear. Again, why in the first step of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. Each person, if they're telling you, I'm afraid, I have fear around feedback or what's gonna be expected of me or what's gonna to be told to me, whatever that sounds like then my question to that person is going to be naturally, and it's gonna to be tough, I'm not saying these are easy, is the suggestion of, do you know what matters to you? See, a lot of people might just go into things because, and I'm speculating this, because they have to do it. I have to take this job, so I'm gonna take this job. I have to um, do this in my as one of my tasks because I'm told I have to do this. But does that person, that individual, let's pretend I'm your client, Alyssa, and I'm the one telling you, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to tell my senior leaders or my boss this or that because I'm afraid of the, the, the feedback that's gonna come my way. And I don't even know if I can fulfill what they're needing of me. 
Is that kind of the scenario you were giving me? It is. And you know, I see it on an individual basis. Like I'm afraid to go do this one-on-one because I don't know what my boss is going to say. We see it in projects. I'm afraid to take my project yellow. I'm afraid to take my project red. I I don't want to show these senior leaders what's really going on. Allow me to do it behind the scenes because I got it. I don't want that feedback. I don't want that attention. So then maybe that leadership learns if they don't want the feedback out loud. So now you design a plan with your leader or your manager. We learn to adjust and adapt. So part of this is also about each of us being open, be open to learning, be open to change. Yeah. This leads me to my final question, which is we don't all get to lead the change around us. Many of us end up as followers of change in our organizations. And so what is your top piece of advice for following effectively through change? If I'm going to follow effectively through change in which I've done, and I I think about the most important thing is I'm going to stay true to me as a follower. I know that sounds kind of opposite, right? As a follower, if I'm truly a person that values certain things, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to set my boundaries and follow that organization change until I know it's violating my personal values. My tip to people is it seems so simple, but even the process of learning about who you are and what your boundaries are, you don't know what your boundaries are until you explore them. So my takeaway from all of this is get to know who you are and what you're open and willing to do and at what cost to yourself and to your family. And if you're asked to do anything else and follow in other ways that are going to hurt that or go against that, then it's your choice to walk away from that. So I love that. I love the idea around sort of thinking about your own readiness for change and what are the conditions that that need to be met for you to be ready for change and how much change are you ready for? And then being honest with yourself and honest with others, because in many cases, this change is happening and you're either a part of it or you're not. This is a choice that we need to make. I think you're right. And exactly. A lot of people get really upset, including myself in the past, where I get mad at the change or the people who are implementing the change. Why aren't you doing it my way? Or this is what I need versus I'm going to share with you what I need. And I'm going to also accept the fact that I'm not the only one in this company. Each one of us can only do that if we take the time to get to know ourselves. If we take the time for self-awareness, if we dig deep and break down the layers. Well, thank you, Sonal. I know I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners have as well. If our listeners want to learn more about the work that you do or connect with you directly, how should they go about doing that? I'm very active on LinkedIn um, and my Facebook True You page, which is all my name. So I'm going to spell that for you again because it's a a different name. It's Sonal Sheth Zawari. So it's S-O-N-A-L-S-H-E-T-H-Z-A-W-A-H-R-I.com. That's my website, or you can just go to my name on LinkedIn or Facebook and you'll find me. The great thing is, is, and I would love, I I love having conversations with people. Look, everything I shared today, that's how I feel. And as I'm learning from you, Alyssa, and all the people around me, I love growing and learning every single day. So share with me, talk to me, you know, give me different perspectives because that's how I will continue to expand. So join me on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a message on my website, Zawari or haveyoustretchedtoday.com. Get you to the same space. And we will include those links in the show notes so people can, can find you there. Excellent. This has been great. This is great advice for our listeners on leading and following through change. If you'd like to continue the conversation on change management and driving connection through moments of transition, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com. 
Thank you again, Sonal. We appreciate your time and advice and hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to changes and transitions in their own organization. Thank you so much. This is, I'm, I'm humbled and honored. <laughs>